Hello and welcome to another ISIS podcast. I'm Sophie Dubashano, the deputy editor of the World Crude Report, and joining me today is our crude oil expert, Julian Mathenier. Welcome, Julian. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Today we're looking at the global crude production cuts implemented at the start of this year and whether or not all producers are going to extend this agreement. Now, last November, all producers agreed to the first uh, production cut deal in eight years. The last one, I believe, was during the financial crisis. Now, the six-month-long agreement uh, is due to expire in June. Julian, could you tell us more about it? Yes, Sophie. Um, OPEC agreed to cut down output to a total of about 32.5 million barrels per day, with Saudi Arabia bearing the brunt uh, of the cuts. Uh, Russia and other non-OPEC producers also took part, with Russia pledging to lower production by about 3,000 barrels per day and and sort of uh, standing as a centerpiece of the deal as the main non-OPEC producer. And so we've seen the cuts evolving uh, well so far. They hit a strong compliance rate early in the agreement. And obviously this has given prices a boost uh, with a strong rise in January. However, since then we have seen some pressure could you give us an overview of the price movements we've seen so yeah, far? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, OPEC has made a, a rather smart move by implementing a supply pact among all producers. But by doing so, uh, the cattle faced the risk that higher prices might entice US producers to return to the market. And that risk has now crystallized. Some US producers have become more efficient than ever. They drill longer lateral wells, they extract more oil at the time, and hence they achieve lower cost barrels. And therefore, markets are increasingly looking at the US as the marginal producers. That is, the country that sets the price of the last barrel of oil put on the market and by extension of the oil uh, crude markets. And some OPEC producers, as a result, have begun to envisage an extension of those cuts. Of course, we see shale output uh, rising, and it is unclear what direction prices will take once the deal comes to an end. Now, like you say, there is talk of a possible extension of the deal. So far, who is on board? We heard some... uh, so let's say supportive comments from Saudi Arabia and Russia yes. earlier this yes. week. Yes, yes. Uh, well, b- both both countries met, and Saudi Arabia partly eased the market uh, the market's fears by alluding to a likely commitment of Russia to a possible extension. That's a lot of uh, possibly, maybe, but. In my view, Russia apparently does not seem too eager to pursue the effort and extend the cuts. Uh, however, Russian exports might be stalled or at least slowed down by a stronger ruble, and hence higher prices are certainly in Moscow's best interest at present. As for Saudi Arabia, it is, it is unlikely that the country will sell if only 5% of its national treasure, Saudi Aramco, in a low oil price environment. And so... From the perspective of that long-awaited Aramco IPO, uh, the Saudis will probably favor price maximization of a market share. And because they want to receive the highest possible proceeds from the sale of their domestic assets, they are likely to, to, to support an extension of the cuts. Okay, so there is definitely support there for, for, for an extension, but does the market really need it? I think so. Uh, the rebalancing of the market for production cuts is a difficult bet because various parties to, to the supply pact may have an incentive to cheat, uh, in particular countries facing uh, significant levels of internal debt. And this includes uh, Saudi Arabia, which is currently running a 50 billion budget deficit. 
its uh, uh, target is to keep its debt to GDP ratio below 30%. And the proceeds of the IPO, uh, if, if the price of oil is high enough, uh, will be key to ensuring that the country hits its financial targets. Besides, compliance mechanism in, in that deal uh, take time to set up and to implement effectively. And uh, the collective interest of all parties, in my view, uh, at the moment, certainly goes towards an extension. Yes, indeed. We usually see a nervousness from OPEC when prices fall below uh, 50 or they near the $50 mark. And there is usually news that comes out from various uh, major producers indicating high compliance to the mm -hmm. uh, deal. Um, obviously, this supports prices, and we saw this happening a lot in Q1 this year. But lately, we haven't uh, seen the same bullish impact on prices when news like this comes out. No, that's true. That's true. Um, it, it it hasn't had any effect, mostly because uh, of of stubbornly high uh, crude oil inventories in, in the United States. If you look at the reports from the Energy Information Administration, they've kept showing week after week increases in crude oil inventory and uh, strong indications that American oil exploration and production companies were reboosting their capital expenditure up, also filtered through their annual. Uh, earnings and, and fin financial statements, uh, not to mention a rather supportive a new uh, U.S. administration. So I believe extending the cuts may prolong the benefits of stability for global oil markets, but, but this may entail yet another loss of market share for, for OPEC and in particular for Saudi Arabia. I see. We're going to have to wait and see if an extension goes through before the current deal expires at the end of June. Um, now, thank you so much for joining me, Julian. No, thanks. Uh, for more information, check out www.isis.com on crude and energy markets. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast.